But the problem is we have either chronic recurring stresses or a major acute stress, like the death of a loved one or changing jobs or even going on a vacation. Your brain loves two things. It loves efficiency and it loves predictability. It loves what it already knows. And when you go on a vacation, it doesn't know anything. Your toothbrush isn't even in the same place. Welcome to Seriously Catherine, a podcast about taking your business seriously, but not yourself. On this week's Hot Take, we are talking about the hot, hot, hottie, Jeremy Allen White. So if you've been living under a rock lately, let me sort of like bring you up to speed. He just did this Calvin Klein campaign, and the whole internet is like going nuts over this guy. Some of the comments, somebody said, I just got pregnant watching this video. I agree with this one. I agree. Does anyone else think Wonka is kicking themselves for casting Timothy Chalamet instead of this young Gene Wilder? And I agree. I think like I went and saw Wonka and Timothy Chalamet did a great job. But I mean, look at this guy. He does look just like a young Gene Wilder. Funny, his initials are J-A-W because I'm still trying to pick up my jaw off the floor. How many times did we watch this? Yes, chef, whatever you say, chef. So I guess in this show, people say yes, chef to him like over and over again. So people are going nuts about that. Yes, chef, whatever you say, chef. Uh, you, you, I think you just snapped me out of menopause. <laughs> He's a, he looks young. He's a little guy. He's a youngin. He's also most recently stars alongside Zac Efron in The Iron Claw. It's like a wrestling movie. But he was just at the Golden Globes last night because he won for Best Performance by a Male Actor in a Television Series, Musical, or Comedy. And this is for a show named The Bear. Anyway, people are in love with it. I mean, he's just having a moment, and I am here for it, too. I think he's adorable, like, from the, you know, neck down. I'm really not feeling his face. I'm sorry, but I just can't get past it. He's got beautiful blue eyes. Also, I mean, I cannot miss an opportunity to comment on Taylor Swift. I am, like, officially living the Taylor Swift life. I'm, like, list- like nothing else is on Apple Music. Nothing else is on Spotify. We are listening to only Taylor Swift. She was looking hot at the Golden Globes, so she was nominated for her era's film, And she did not win, but she's kicking ass. She's taking names. She's looking gorgeous. The only other person I saw in photos is uh, Reese Witherspoon, who I love, you know. She's, like, timeless. And I guess she brought her son, Deacon Philippe. And you know what? I I was brought down memory lane because I also thought, for whatever reason, Sarah Michelle Gellar has been coming up on my Instagram, you know, feed lately. I don't even think I follow her, but she's maybe on the search bar. She's coming up and everything. And I totally forgot that Reese Willispoon and Sarah Michelle Gellar were in Cruel Intentions together. And that movie is one of my all-time favorites. I haven't watched it in a while, but it was like classic. I think it was in high school when it came out. This week in Saratoga, you know, there it's the new year, so a lot of people, not me, choose to go dry for January, dry January. And I guess now there's a thing becoming a vegan in February. Veganuary? 
Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. What will they come up with next? So good to know. Saratoga Living put together a list of all the restaurants and bars that you can go to and get mocktails for dry January and vegan food for the month of February. And so some of them they mentioned, okay, so one of my favorite restaurants to eat at in Saratoga is Raya. I love their menu. And what's really cool is they don't actually have a mocktails menu, but they will make any cocktail as a mocktail. Also, Surprise, surprise, Kindred has really good mocktails also, and they do have a mocktail menu. Also, for vegan options in the month of February, if you're choosing to be a vegan in February, Whole Harvest. Also, I mean, my go-to is definitely Scallions. Not that I'm a vegan. I just know for sure that they have lots of gluten-free and vegan options on the Scallions menu. Also, Saratoga Living brought up a hot topic here in Saratoga, and that is the vast lack of parking spaces, which is sort of all about your perception because we actually do have tons of parking in this town, but you got to know where to go. So I don't know if I should tell you my go-tos because then you might park there and then I won't have a parking spot. But we have this beautiful parking garage that the city and the city center and, you know, all the all the powers that be have built. And unfortunately, it's always empty. You know why? Because people in Saratoga do not want to walk two blocks. And I know we experienced this a lot at Paint and Sip. So Saratoga Paint and Sip is on Henry Street. It's one of my businesses. And all the time people come in and like, I couldn't run a parking spot. And it's like literally... Two blocks away from Paint and Sip, there are three parking garages, two of which that are free. And so it's sort of like an argument that people like to have, or they like to just like, rah, parking in Saratoga. But I, I like will fight you if you claim that there is no parking spaces in Saratoga, because again, we have two free parking city garages. We have one that's paid, that's beautiful. Street parking is also available. I do sort of like take it as like a as a message from the universe or God that I'm like doing well in life when I can find a parking spot on Broadway. And I I do find one often. But I am committed to like driving around the block several times before I give up and go to one of the garages. Okay, so if you know me, you know that I love what I do and I'm a workaholic. So if I ever have a chance to get away, I can't go too far away without my kids and without being so far away from work. The Adelphi is my go-to. What's really great about the Adelphi is that it has everything you need. It's right there on Broadway. It has a restaurant. It's got the breakfast joint. It's got it all. And the room service is amazing. So last Christmas, we did Christmas Day night at the Adelphi. We booked the Polaris suite, which is really special because it has a hot tub on the balcony. And the kids loved it. It was so much fun. We ordered room service. And it was just like the most special thing. And again, it's got a jacuzzi. I mean, who doesn't want to use a jacuzzi at the Adelphi. If you don't have the opportunity to stay at the Adelphi, you can still go and hang out in their in their lobby or eat at their restaurants. The best sushi in town, by far, I believe, is at the Adelphi. You should get the rainbow roll. You can thank me later. It's delicious. It's absolutely the bomb. If you are local and you need a night off or a night away, don't go too far. Go right there to the Adelphi. Book yourself a room, have dinner there, have breakfast in the morning, and you'll feel like a totally different person when you wake up. On this week's episode, we are joined by Dr. Rhiannon. She's a palate member and also a neurological chiropractor. And she sees patients as little as infancy all the way to adults. She's also got a practice in the Capital Region now. So I'm so excited for you to meet her and let's just jump right into it. 
I am so excited to have you here on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. And I want everyone to hear your name, like, pronounced correctly. <laughs> I've been practicing it. It's okay. Dr. Rhiannon. Yes. Like yes. Sh- like Shannon with a re. Shannon with a re. Yes. Okay. So you are a chiropractor, and you have your practice in Albany. Yes. That so just celebrated two years? In January, it'll be two years, In yes. January, two um, years, and already expanding to Saratoga. Yes. So tell us about that story and how this all came to be. Okay, so I've been in practice for 13 years. When I graduated chiropractic school, I came back to the Capital District. I ended up in the North Country for a year. I went back to Atlanta. I practiced there for four years while my husband was in chiropractic school. Then I came back to the Capital District. We were supposed to open a practice in Latham. They gave it to a nail salon instead, which is where I get my nails done now, um, <laughs> coincidentally. And then I ended up practicing in Lake Placid with my husband for about five years. After he passed away, I came back to the Capital District where my family is and literally was just handed this office space in Albany. And it was such a blessing. And so I opened my practice and it you know, it grew very quickly because it's a neurologically focused chiropractic office. So when people think chiropractic, they think neck pain and back pain and headaches, which of course we help with. But the reality is your nervous system controls every function of every organ in your body. And so I see little tiny babies all the way up to their grandparents and everybody in between. I think the fact that my practice is so data-driven, we do neurological scans and we're constantly doing progress scans to evaluate and course correct. I think that is what really the community has really latched onto and been like, wait a minute, we can actually see how our nervous system is working. Yeah. This is so fascinating. We have appointments. I'm bringing all the girls. I'm excited though, but you had an open house. Mm -hmm. He was even at dinner with um, a girlfriend who brought her son. He's been like chronic ear infections or chronic, Mm -hmm. you know, just sickness. And this like medium of therapy Mm -hmm. is helping. Is that what you call it? It's not therapy. No, we don't call it therapeutic because in medicine or in therapies, they aim to treat a condition. And so we don't name a condition. We don't, I don't treat a headache. I don't treat an ear infection. I don't treat IBS. I don't treat vertigo. What I look to find is, is there dysregulation, dysfunction in the nervous system? Because that comes from stress, right? Because the biggest question people ask me when I show them their scans is, where did this come from? And we have physical stresses, we have chemical stresses, and we have emotional or mental stresses, menus prefer the word mental. Uh, <laughs> they don't want to be emotional. They don't want to say emotional, no. But when I say physical stress, patients are always like, oh, yeah, I got in this car accident, or I used to play football, or and I'm like, no, you the sitting at a desk all day is the physical stress, right? We are meant to be in motion. Um, staring at a cell phone all day is a physical stress. And then we have chemical stress. We live in such a toxic world, Catherine. I mean... It's incredible the toxins in our water supply, in our food supply, the air pollution that we have. I mean, but a lot of times when I say toxins, people think drugs. They think alcohol. They think vaccines. Um, I'm not going to those extremes when I'm trying to talk to people about the stresses in their everyday lives. And then I think we can all imagine mental, emotional stresses. You know, we used to be stressed thousands of years ago when we were being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. Now, you know, you're stressed when you're late to pick up your kids from daycare and then you get the tax bill in the mail and then you got to do run bedtime and figure out how to feed everybody and start all over again the next day. And what happens is your brain maps all of these stresses. It says, okay, every day Catherine does the same thing. She wakes up, she's stressed, she's behind the ball, so she drinks coffee, which is a chemical stress to me. And so the brain, when it gets a surge of stress, it says, okay, I'm going to do the same thing your house does. I'm going to trip a breaker. Because I've got to keep Catherine alive, so I'm going to shut off this surge of stress coming in right now. And the way it does that is to send a signal through the muscles to the muscles that hold those vertebrae, 
and pull that vertebra out of alignment. It blows that fuse, trips that breaker. And then you go through your day and you have a moment of peace and quiet. Maybe you read a book, maybe you journal. I mean, I know this is ideal world for you, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and your brain goes, oh, great, that stress is gone. Let's flip that breaker back on. And now you go back to normal functioning. It's incredible how you can self-correct like that all day, every day, and we're not even aware of it. The nervous system is so incredibly intelligent. But the problem is we have either chronic recurring stresses or a major acute stress, like the death of a loved one or changing jobs or even going on a vacation, right? A vacation is a wonderful thing. Do you mean trip? Yeah, a trip, <laughs> a trip. Like, um, you know, let's say I went to Barcelona last year. Um, that sounds lovely. It was lovely for my 40th birthday. But your brain loves two things. It loves efficiency and it loves predictability. It loves what it already knows. And when you go on a vacation, it doesn't know anything. Your toothbrush isn't even in the same place, right? Yeah. So it's very challenging to your nervous system, which is good for it, but it is a stress. And so when those stresses are too overwhelming or too chronic, those breakers stay tripped and you're not able to self-correct them. So it's my job to find... Do you have chronic tripped breakers? Where are they? And we measure them. That's what the scans do. Yeah. So you take a picture of the body. <laughs> a pic yeah, yeah. So we use an EMG, we use infrared thermal scan, and we use an HRV. Many people are aware of a concept of an HRV because of their Fitbits or their Apple Watches. That's kind of a rudimentary version okay. of it. But it's showing us how the autonomic nervous system is working, which is really just the part that's running in the background. Think like automatic, yeah. right? It's yeah. running your digestion and your immune system and your reproductive system and your healing and your growth and your repair. Mm, all the yeah. stuff you don't think about because you're thinking about all the other stuff. Yeah. Well, you're not thinking about it until it stops working. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes. you can't eat those same foods or whatever. Yeah. So, so the first time I ever went to a chiropractor was when I was pregnant and I had lower back pain. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom and dad being like, you're going to a witch doctor. Yeah. <laughs> like, that doesn't work, you know. So, but it absolutely did. Yeah. I mean, it got me through that pregnancy. So. That's then, what people, yeah, people, you know, I, I think chiropractic has been around since 1895, right? But there's been different evolutions of it throughout its lifetime as our culture changes, right? Mm -hmm. As our medical culture changes, there are medical doctors who refer to me and to other chiropractors. And then there are medical doctors who maybe they've had patients who have had negative experiences with chiropractors and that changes their viewpoint of it. I think we really need to work together. Um, whenever I onboard a new patient, I send out a letter to their primary care doctor, the pediatrician, the speech therapist, the occupational therapist, whatever other providers that they're working with and say, hey, I'm Dr. Rhiannon. I'm a neurologically focused chiropractor. We have a co-patient. I would love to talk to you about their case and see how we can work together. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Then nobody ever responds. Shut up. <laughs> nobody. No, Seriously? No. No. So far. So oh, far. Because, like, maybe you're, like, a threat. If you can, like, come up with a solution that they don't need, like— you know, the more well-known medicines, right? I, oh, you know what? I, I don't think it's as nefarious as that. I really think it's more that doctors are so overwhelmed they don't have time. Mm -hmm. Or a speech therapist or an OT, like you have to think about their caseload yeah. and the amount that they're reimbursed for that, right? And so they have so much on their plate. There's so much documentation that they have to do. Um, I know there is on my end. So I complete. I don't ever take it as they don't care about their yeah. patient or they have a problem with me. I think it's just something else that got piled on their desk. Yeah. I think that's the reality of it. Yeah. So you're telling me that, like, talking about kids, because yeah. you do see a lot of kids, mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of, little of kids babies on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So tell me why you might be seeing a child in your office. Okay. So, well, the biggest thing that we see with kids 
kids is birth trauma. The birth process in this country, most of the births that we have have interventions. So I'm not even just talking about the C-sections, the vacuum extractions, yeah. the forceps extractions, but just the amount of pressure that they use to pull a baby out of a vaginal birth. Dr. Tony Ebel, who is the leading pediatric chiropractic expert um, in the country. He's incredible, and I've been lucky enough to train under him. He says in a lot of his workshops that, you know, if delivery room doctors were required to be the pediatrician for each child they delivered for the first three years of life, it would drastically change our procedures in a delivery room because they would see the effects. They would see these babies with torticollis and colic and ear infections and asthma and allergies. And then, you know, we see these progression of, I mean, the correlation between birth intervention, birth trauma, and spectrum and sensory disorder is irrefutable. So. My mind is blown. Yeah. I mean, this is my just, world. And it's just like, it's such a miracle to actually, I mean, is it a miracle? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's a miracle to have like a healthy child. Mm -hmm. That is, yeah. I mean, there's just like so many things that can go wrong in that well, process. No wonder like pregnant women yeah. are just so stressed well, out. Well, and, and actually maternal stress during pregnancy is also a huge contributing factor. Because remember we talked about physical, chemical, and emotional stress, right? They tell you when you're pregnant, don't smoke, don't drink, right? Because you're sharing a blood supply with baby. Mm -hmm. Well, all your stress hormones, when you are stressed during that pregnancy, are running through baby as well. And that's influencing the developmental trajectory of their nervous system as that nervous system is growing and developing in the womb. Yeah. Which is why you got to do yoga and go to the chiropractor. And do your breathing. And do the breathing. And, and hopefully you have a supportive family and partner. And, right. you know, that makes a big difference. Yeah. So what made you want to join Palette? What brought you to the community? And yeah. then I want you to kind of like explain how just your business has grown. Okay. Like just like the changes that have happened since joining Palette. So I heard about Palette here and there. I don't even know how, probably through like Instagram or things, but I thought Palette was just a co-working space. And so I was like, well, I have an office. Why yeah. would I co-work? Like it just didn't make sense to me. But, you know, have, this is the first time period in my life that I've practiced alone. My late husband, who I practiced with in Lake Placid, he came from a chiropractic family. Like, he grew up with two chiropractic parents. And so, you know, practicing with him and having those mentors, having the same mentors, I never felt like I was on an island. And I opened this practice by myself. You know, I, sometimes I feel like I'm the only one living in this paradigm, first of all, in healthcare. And also as a, as a female entrepreneur, yeah. you know, my current partner, he's wonderful. He's so supportive and encouraging, but he lives in the salaried 401k world, yeah. right? Very different world. Very different. <laughs> and so I just thought to myself, you know, after I've been going through therapy and one of the things that I was talking to my therapist about was I just, I didn't feel like I had a sense of community. And so I sat down with Marcella at the end of September on my week off, my fall break. And she said, what would be cool if, like, don't say this is a goal, but what would be, it would be cool if. Yeah. And I said, it would be really cool if, you know, I had a Saratoga location because I have so many patients who traveled from Queensbury, from Glens Falls, from Saratoga down to see me in Albany. I have families that come from Poughkeepsie. They drive two hours to see me um, because of the specialty of my practice. And so I said, it would be cool to have a location up here for them. But I mean, just to find a location and all of that, it would be so much. She said, well, why don't you just see patients here at Palette? And I'm like, what? At Palette? She's like, yeah, if you're a, you're a member, why wouldn't you just see patients here? Yeah. So, I mean, she just planted that seed in at the end of September. And within a month, we had this event and I was seeing patients here. And yeah. 
We move fast. We move fast we do. here. We do move fast. Well, um, I think you're motivated and inspired to take that action because you have the support. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work out, it's like, it's all right. You know, we'll land yeah. somewhere. We'll figure yeah. it out together. It just goes to show you, like when I was at that dinner with friends and she was like, I'm just so glad I saw, you know, um, mm-hmm. Dr. Ian and like on your stories or on pallet stories, or whatever. And it's like, we finally have someone here that's like going to be able to specialize and help him. Yeah. So, no, that, see, that makes me so happy. Yeah. I don't have kids of my own. So. So, but if you walk into my into my office, you, you can me lend me one. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah uh, of course, anytime. <laughs> you walk into my office and it looks like I'm running a daycare. I mean, literally, I'm walking over children to get to the next yeah. room. And so fun. And I love it. And I love seeing the miracles. I love seeing, you know, a kid on the spectrum that's never been able to look their parents in the eye to now give them a hug and say, I love you. I love, you know, we just had a baby a few months ago that was having 50 seizures a day that is now seizure-free. I have a 14-year-old in my practice who he's been to the National Institute of Health many times in Boston. Um, doctors and doctors and doctors, they have not been able to figure out why he was unable to walk all of a sudden a year ago. Like he's been in a wheelchair all of a sudden a year ago. After 12 adjustments, he started walking. What? Um, what is that? Yeah. That's just like releasing it's dysregulation the in the nervous system. Wow. Yeah. You know, when the body is under so much stress, when the, the brain has to start compensating and making compensations, it will say, well, walking isn't a priority over breathing. So it just starts, you know, shutting down musculoskeletal things that aren't as important because he's still being fed. He's still being, you know, his parents are still taking care of it. So, yeah, but his parents did not settle for no answers. I mean, his mother is incredible. I mean, the binders of medical records that she brought to me. Yeah. So she has been an advocate for him so, so strongly, and she just, she didn't give up. And she said, you know what, let's see if this can help. And, you know, we looked at his scans, and the only place there was an issue on his scans was right at C1, which you can't see me point to with these headphones on, um, but right at C1 where the brainstem is, and which is where we see the most birth trauma in kids because that's where they grab baby's head, right? Or where baby's head twists going through the birth canal. But, you know, all of his pain and everything is in the middle of his back, and that's where they keep looking. That's where they keep doing imaging. That's where they keep doing x-rays, right? But we didn't find anything there. It, in terms of the nervous system, it was up here. All I did was adjust C1. Wow. And I say all I did, I shouldn't use like a a minimizing word there, but the reality is I did not heal that child. I don't heal a single person. I mean, I appreciate and I love that they thank me, but I always bounce it right back to them and say, no, your body healed this. The innate intelligence that is inside of your nervous system to be self-healing and self-regulating that power. That's why I just said to your little girl who's not feeling so great today, you know, most of the time we say, oh, you're sick. I'm so sorry. In my office, we don't tell kids that they're sick. We say, wow, isn't that incredible that your body is so smart that it knows what to do, that it knew to make a fever, that it knew to make you throw up, that it knew to make you cough, that yeah. it knew to make boogers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, no, feel it's good. Incredible. But it's in, it's incredible that the body knows to do that. And so much of our society, we don't want to feel discomfort, right? We are all trying to avoid discomfort. And so we go take a Tylenol to lower the fever or we go take a cough medicine. And the reality is we're just stuffing that illness back into our body. Mm. You know, so that's why I encourage my patients to come get adjusted when they're not feeling great, when they are expressing illness and, and all of that, because it helps your immune system do its job even better. Yeah. And it's such, it's just like, so powerful to shift that perspective just mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, and try something new. And yeah. it might be the thing that actually, like, heals you or solves your ails. But, you know, speaking for moms, you know, me not being a mom, I still, I completely understand, you know, we're talking about birth trauma and how, you know, 
how scary that is to have things happen to your baby's head and neck. But then how do you go from that to thinking, I'm going to bring them to a chiropractor because don't chiropractors crack necks and crack backs, right? That's not what we now know in, in science and in the research in the past 20 years of research is that it's not the force of an adjustment that makes the correction. It is the input to the nervous system. I mean, the amount of pressure I use to adjust the baby is the amount of pressure you would use to check the ripeness of a tomato or an avocado. You can't even tell them adjusting them when you watch it. They they sleep through it half the time. (laughs) So it really, it does not look like whatever you saw on TikTok or YouTube. Well, also, listen, (laughs) and the other thing too that I thought was such a, like, um, a myth that was busted when I started going to that chiropractor when I was pregnant is that he never actually adjusted or cracked anything. He stretched Mm -hmm. me. He put me on that table and he like, he did pull on my head, but it like, like attraction. Yeah, it was almost yeah. like I never felt a bone crack or anything. Right. It was more just like a releasing of tension. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and stretching. Even, even when there is a, a quote unquote crack, that's it's not the sound of bones. It's the sound of gas. When we release gas, we make a noise. When you toot, when you burp, when you release gas in your knuckles, right? Yeah. It makes a noise. It's not bones. It's just gas. That's all that noise It's is. just gas, guys. Yeah. It's just, it's just gas. gas. The little kids call it bone farts. They love that. They all giggle. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> what actually brought you back to the area? Yes. Yeah, so I was practicing in Lake Placid. Um, my husband and I had high peaks optimal health until – so COVID hit in 2020 and everything shut down, but we were essential. So we didn't shut down. In fact, our practice grew incredibly because people were, number one, looking for any place they could go outside of their house to go to. Mm -hmm. Um, But number two, a place that would improve their health status, right? But unfortunately, during that time, my husband ended up passing away. He took his life, Mm. which of course was tragic. He was only 31 years old. And so, yeah, I stayed in Lake Placid for about six months. But in a small town like that, it's very hard to not just live the rest of your life with an identity as the widow. So as much as I loved my practice members there and I loved the community of Lake Placid and the way they supported me and rallied around me, I came back to the Capital District where my family is so I could do my own healing and yeah. and try as best I could to move on, but also honor his legacy and everything that we built in Lake Placid. Oh my God. So Annette, how how do you do that? How do you how, honor how, that? How do you do that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I taught my most of my practice members. I mean, I would be surprised if one of my patients doesn't know my story. Um, I talk about them all the time. I mean, this past fall, we've been talking about football. He and I were, we loved football, the Patriots. Um, his goal in life was to adjust Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> my goal in life is to adjust Rachel Ray. I've met her three times. I guarantee <clears throat> she doesn't remember me, but in my mind, we're best friends. Uh, <laughs> And she lives up here, right? Uh, Yes, she does. She has a home in Lake Luzerne. Um, Actually, my practice, my office manager in Lake Placid, when Rachel Ray's house burned down, her dad was one of the contractors rebuilding it. So I was like two degrees of separation from Rachel So close. But yeah, like in chiropractic, we have, like, you know how some couples have like their celebrity hall pass? In chiropractic, we have like that one person we want to adjust. And (laughs) mine's Rachel Ray. Um, I believe it'll happen. (laughs) But no, I talk about him a lot. Christmas time was something that was very special to him. Mm. And in Lake Placid, we won the award for best Christmas lights every year. I think you could see our office from space. I mean, he even rented a lift to put the lights on the building in our office. Yeah, he was committed. He was. was Everything Joseph Klaus did was big. He hiked all 46 high peaks barefoot in 
nine and a half weeks. He was known as hashtag ginger goat on Facebook in the Adirondack backcountry groups. Yep. I mean, just like, did he take off of work during that time to just no, knock it no. out? Or he was he, still seeing patients? He was, yeah. He would get up at three o'clock in the morning and go hike a few high peaks and come back and go about his day. And yeah, <laughs> he was, everything with him was big and larger than life. And I think that was a big part of why it was so, so traumatic for the whole community of Lake Placid when he passed. You know, the biggest thing that people said to me over and over and over was, you know, we don't understand. He was always laughing. He was always smiling. He was always happy, they would say, as if happy is a perpetual state, right? Yeah. And that was what he wanted them to see. And that doesn't mean that it was fake. He was able to put himself in that state for a period of time. Right. But the reality was that behind the scenes, he was constantly searching for something to distract himself. And so being a part of his patients' lives, his friends, his family, I mean, he gave everything he had to all the people that he loved. And that was a distraction for him of what he was going through internally. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that people don't realize. You know, you were saying earlier about how, you know, a lot of people say suicide is selfish. And, I mean, I knew Joseph since he was 14 years old, and I'm sure his family would agree with this statement as well. Joseph was the least selfish person on this planet. He truly believed that he was doing everyone a favor by removing himself from the situation, which is so horrible to even think about him feeling that way. But my point being, he was not fake in what he showed people. It just wasn't the full picture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we hear this so much, right, that, mm -hmm. you know, you just don't know what people are going through behind closed doors in the privacy of their their own heads. And yeah. I think now more than ever, people are more aware of it and open to talking about it. But mm -hmm. we, we still have so, so far to go. I mean— yeah. Um, well, and there is, you know, <clears throat> so in this situation, I'm, you know, I'm the widow, I'm the wife, but, you know, there's other situations where, you know, obviously his parents lost a son. If we had had children, they would have lost a father, you know, friends lost a friend, all of that. And so when a death like that happens, a small community, and, you know, Saratoga is a small community too, a small community, they speculate, right? And there becomes gossip and there becomes wonder and you know, I was just never going to be able to just be me ever again. It was going to be the the rumors and the questions. And I just didn't feel right and still don't feel right speaking his truth. I know what he was going through. I know exactly why he made the decision that he made. But it's not my story to tell. It was his. So instead of you know, trying to go out there and say what he was going through and placing blame, because there really is no blame, I just felt that it was better for me to leave Lake Placid so that that memory is a good one of him. Mm -hmm. And I'm not having to kind of crawl out from under things anymore. Yeah. For yeah. my own sanity and for my own healing process. Right. Yeah. So you certainly, like, are in therapy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I went through a lot of therapists. You know, when, when you first lose a loved one, you they want to put you in grief therapy. In grief therapy— at least at least the version they gave me was you just had to keep rehashing it over and over mm -hmm. and over. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the past three years, I'll, I mean, I have had to retell the story thousands of times 
And I just didn't want to keep doing it. Yeah. I was just like, how is this helping me move on? This is not healing anything. This is no, It's just digging th- stuff up. And I just, so that was not for me. I, the therapist that I have now, is I really appreciate her. And it was just the three-year anniversary of my husband's death. And around that time, people. So did, did it happen around the holidays? It was October 6th. And around that time, people who know me, they start treating me with kid gloves. You know, you can just tell they look at you with those eyes like, are you sad? Are you yeah. okay? Right? Yeah. And so it makes me feel like I'm under a microscope. And then, of course, on Facebook and on Instagram, everyone who knew him peripherally, right? They were an acquaintance yeah. um, or they were a distant relative. They make a big post on social media with all these pictures that they have of them together over the years that was like a wedding or like a random, you know, reunion or something. Yeah, and does they, that like piss you off? Because you're like, um, where were you when we were struggling or when we needed help um, or when, you know, we, we we needed somebody to talk to? It doesn't piss me off. Um, Maybe sometimes you're, you're sometimes it's funny because their recollection, when I read it on Facebook, I'm like, wow, that's not what he thought. Um, right, right. But... It's also like, well, if you cared that much about him, why don't you care about his widow? <laughs> like, it, you know, because I know Joseph and I know that he 100, he, he had said to me before he passed away, you know, everybody will be there for you. I know you'll be taken care of. I know you'll be okay. And so that, that was his impression. And it's interesting, the people who fall out of your life when the other half of your partner or your partnership is gone, you know. Yeah. When you go through a divorce, you kind of expect that. You've, people have to pick sides. They or At least they feel like they do. Yeah. But you don't expect it when there's a death. And so that's always an interesting time of year for me to watch everybody else's recollection of who Joseph was. And and they're not, like, reaching out or they're not and, touching but also, base with you through the years. Yeah. And also to have people expecting me to, like, fall apart on that day. And I don't want to make the day he left this earth, this big day, right? Actually, at his funeral, we had the Dave Matthews song, um, Oh Joy Begin, Samurai Cop, mm. played um, in the church, in the Catholic church. They played it on the <laughs> piano. Good friends of ours, the Izzo family played it. Um, and it's all about, you know, that birth and coming into this world and then how we lose our way through pain, mm-hmm. right? But just to, to celebrate the fact that we did have Joseph here for 31 years, you know, it's going to make me cry to say that, instead of focusing on the fact that he's not here anymore. And that the impacts that he made when yes. he was here, right? So, I mean, we see this again. I mean, again, like a, a most recent situation where it's like a flooding of people who were like, wow, he had such an impact yes. on me. And mm-hmm. he was so kind and so, so unselfish, right? Like so giving and so caring. And it's like that I think is hard though to Mm -hmm. be on the other side of it. And you're like, but still he was struggling and he was going through all of this pain and he's not in pain anymore. You know, I just think that's like another thing you hear too. He's like, well, he's not in pain anymore. And it's like, damn right. He's not, you know, like, could you imagine being in that much pain and that much struggle to to take your life? I think, I think the burden of being so selfless is something that a lot of people carry and don't talk about, right? Like, They do and do and do and give and give and give. And when they don't feel like they're getting it in return or when they don't feel like it's appreciated or Or acknowledged. It's it's still not enough. For Joseph, that was a big thing was that everything he gave and sacrificed for the people that he loved, he felt like, how is this not enough? How He Mm -hmm. felt, how do you not see me? How do you not see how much I care. And that that was his struggle. And It's heartbreaking. But, you know, I hope that whatever version comes after this, right, I hope that he can see that, because I do believe that all the people that he loved and cared about while he was here with us, 
did love him and appreciate him and maybe just didn't show him the way that he needed. Or didn't know how, didn't right? Because I think right? that's another so part of it. So hopefully now like he does incapable. see the impact that, yeah. that he made because he touched so many lives. I would not be here. I would not be a chiropractor. My life would be a completely different trajectory had I not met him and his family. Yeah. Um, they're the reason I am a chiropractor. So, I mean, completely changed my life. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm so thank happy you. you spent the time with us today to tell us more about your story. And do you want to have any, like, parting words with anyone who might want to learn more about you well, or talk to you? Like, how do people get in touch with how you? How do people get in touch with me? Well, um, on Instagram, we are CDF Cairo. Um, you can DM us. I do see them. They go right to my phone. Awesome. Um, yeah, we'll put your links to all that in the show notes so people will see. The biggest question people ask me is, how do you know you should see a chiropractor or who should see a chiropractor? And my answer, I know it's generic and it's not good marketing to answer this way, but my honest answer is, if you're alive, you have a nervous system, and you should probably get it checked. You check your eyes. You check your teeth. If you're a lady, you check your hoo-ha. Please get your nervous system checked because it's in charge of everything. So yes. that's how I, I know it's not a good marketing answer because it's not niche, but it's the reality. If you're yeah. alive, get your nervous system checked, and as soon as possible. Get your baby checked as soon as you go home from the hospital. Oh, my God. I want to have a baby just to have the baby checked. <laughs> well, we're going to get your little ones. <laughs> yeah, they're going to come in. So thank you again for being thank here. Thank you, um, Catherine. Moms and dads, I got a parenting hack for you, and it's called the Hoffman Car Wash. If you are a member of the Unlimited Car Wash Club, you're in for a real treat because you can go for free, essentially, if you're paying the monthly fee. I don't know if we're doing any girl math or mom math here, but you pay the fee and you can go get a car wash as many times as you want. And it's one of those things that's like a multifaceted experience. If I'm with the kids, they love to ask the car guy, like if he can draw a little design on the window, they always play ball. They always do something fun. And then we go on through the car wash and it's almost like this thing comes over my kids. Like they're not psychopaths when we leave the car wash. It's like some sense of like therapy for them. Also form of therapy when I am by myself and I need to go to the car wash because it's the only place I can scream out loud with no judgment. So if you are not already a member of the Unlimited Car Wash Club at Hoffman, you are missing out on a treat. Next up is my facepalm mom moment this week. I have to talk to you about this. So on Thursday, I got an email from Willard Mountain saying like they had two spots open up in their Sunday afternoon class and or lesson. And we've been sort of like contemplating whether we're going to sign up the girls for ski lessons again. I didn't do any of it last year because Zia stayed home with me and Mark brought Posey and Ruby to do the skiing lessons at Willard. So we were kind of like pushing it off. And I'm like, oh my God, up until like this weekend, it felt like it was never going to snow. So I'm like, well, maybe we'll just skip a year. And then I got this email from Willard Mountain saying there's two spots open in the 2 p.m. class. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we signed them up on Friday afternoon. And I go to um, Alpen House, which is where my girls got free skis. They do free skis five and under last year. So I called them to see like on Friday afternoon if I could go to the in Clifton Park to go ahead and like get them their skis. And they're like, no, we don't have any skis. You're like too late in the season. So I was like, okay, so we'll drive to Amsterdam, which is where their like ski shop, original ski shop is. And I was like, this is going to be an adventure, girls. Like, let's grab a snack. Let's get, you know, ourselves into the car. And, you know, it's like a 40 minute drive. So we get 10 minutes from Amsterdam and Zia 
my four-year-old says, I'm feeling car sick. And she does this sometimes. Like, I think she is bored and she just says these things. I Like, how do you ever know if they're really going to puke or if they're just saying, like, I'm car sick and I'm bored? So I was like, are you sure you're car sick? Like, just look out the window. Take a deep breath. I'll crack a window. And before I knew it, she was puking. She's puked. She puked all over the freaking place. And we are, like, 10 minutes from Amsterdam. Of course, I don't have a change of clothes because, like, she's four. I've never had, like, the last time I needed to change the clothes like she's having a blowout so I didn't have anything but I did have like old diapers not like used diapers but like diapers that were still in the wrapper from like years ago because my car is like a total catch-all for everything and I used like (laughs) some diapers to absorb the puke and you would think I would abort the mission at this point but I was like 10 minutes from the store so we decided to still go (laughs) still go to Alpenhaus. I have photos of Zia in her underwear at Alpenhaus getting uh, fitted for skis, which we got. And we are ready to go skiing next weekend at Willard Mountain. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you want to connect with me, slide into my DMs on Instagram. My handle is Katherine Hover.